Well, isn't that just great? For two weeks in a row, we get the great joy and happy experience of hearing Jesus talking about being handed, handed over, betrayed, killed, and on the third day, he will rise. Two weeks in a row, we basically hear the same gospel. In fact, last night, Father Vetter was called to cover masses in a rural parish around here this morning, and he said, I don't have a homily. I said, don't worry, it's the same gospel, just use your homily from last week. They won't even notice. And I think it's true. I'm not sure if he's listening to me or not, but that's what I said. The Son of Man will be handed over, killed, and on the third day be raised. Why would we have essentially the same gospel two weeks in a row, although it is different? There's a small but significant difference between what you heard last week and what we heard here this morning. The difference can be found in just a few words. Last week is Mark chapter 8. And for the very first time, we are told Jesus begins to explain his passion. For the first time, that word began. He begins to teach his apostles that the Son of Man will be rejected, killed, betrayed, and will be raised. But now today... There's two different words. We're not told that he began doing that because he did that last week, didn't he? Now we're being told that he is teaching and telling. Teaching and telling. What does that seem to indicate, everyone? That this whole concept of the suffering Messiah is not a one-and-done teaching. That this is something Jesus will have to teach and tell over and over again, all the way to Good Friday when they still didn't believe him, and they still didn't understand, when our blessed mother and John were the only ones still there, when the other 11 scattered like scaredy cats, and I would have too. It is a continual teaching that the Son of Man must suffer, be betrayed, killed, and on the third day will rise. It is not easy to understand, is it? And just as we've heard this two weeks in a row, Jesus prophesying his own passion, we're also given two rather interesting responses by the apostles to this prophecy. Last week, who responded? Peter, what did he do? He pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him, basically said, stop saying this. And Jesus turns to the 11 and Peter and says, you're not thinking like God. You're thinking like human beings a totally inappropriate response to the cross. Thinking like human beings. And then today, everyone, what was the response to this passion narrative, this passion prediction, this passion prophecy? How did they respond today? Any better? No. They start talking about which one of them is the greatest. Talk about, once again, a totally inappropriate response to Jesus' passion prophecy. To imagine those two responses, number one, rebuking our Lord, and number two, talking about who's the best among them. Talk about totally blowing it. <laughs> now, you might be wondering, and I oftentimes wonder, why would Mark, why would Mark who wrote this gospel include such an inappropriate response to the cross? 
Might it be this? We also do the same. Right, everyone? How often, when we're experiencing a heavy cross that is very real and very raw, how often do we respond in, yes, an inappropriate way? How often do we say and ask questions like, how can any of this be part of God's plan? How could this be God's will for my life? How can any good come out of this? Do you ask those questions? Might it be possible that Mark included the apostles' inappropriate response because we too essentially just don't know what to make of the cross and we don't know what to make out of human suffering? So then the question before us is this. What is the appropriate response? What is the response that Jesus would want to whatever the cross is in our life? It is the fact that the paradox of the gospel has always been this, that life comes from death. That light comes from darkness. That death and darkness never have the final word is the preeminent teaching of the gospel over and over again. And I know for many of us, that is very real. So what do we do? We beg God for the grace and the faith to see how life comes from death in whatever area of our life that is real for us right now. Now, where does all this happen in us? How does this change of mind, change of heart, and how we see suffering, how we see the cross, how does that, where does that take place within us? Right in our hearts. You know, we talk about conversion a lot, don't we? And we think a conversion is a change of behavior. Essentially, conversion is a change of heart in how we see suffering and how we see the cross. Jesus brings a whole new meaning to this. A whole new meaning. And he invites us to see it the same way because his word has a final word. And his word is a word of life and light that comes from death and darkness. May we have the faith and the confidence to be Christian believers who see things as Jesus sees them.